You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns, the only daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Internal development. Player development is the name of the game today. That's what we're here to talk about. Joined by Damon Allred, who's going to walk you through all of the ways that the Suns' top young players can get better as we make our way through the offseason and into the 21-22 NBA season. That is the schedule. Back in just a sec. Welcome in to Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. Once again, player development, internal development is what we're here to talk about today. Damon Allred is my guest. He covers the Suns for Zona Hoops and um, what is the name of the other outlet? Roll Call Sports Network. Do I have that right? Yep. Perfect. And mm-hmm. that is where you wrote the piece that we are here to talk about today player development. Um, how are you doing, man? How I, I feel like I'm starting to get back into the swing of things after the finals. I'm like, I'm, I'm gauging yeah. the waters of what people are, are ready to talk about, how far they're willing to, yeah. to go with this team. But how are you doing? I'm good, man. A lot of hot takes on the Twitter, as always, about this team and how they're doing all over the offseason. But I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Um, I mean, look, like the thing, the thing is here, the reason we're talking about this today is is the offseason's obviously wrapping up. The Suns didn't do anything terribly big, so if they're going to get better in 2022, I think they can. It's it's pretty reasonable to expect that, but I think the main way that that's going to happen is better chemistry, familiarity with the group that's in place, but also internal development, right? These guys, the young guys are going to have to get better if this team is going to get better at, as a group. So uh, with that in mind, we're going to we're going to discuss those three main members of the Suns' core. We'll start with Devin Booker, Damon. Um, I'll give you the floor. I'll, I'll give you the floor here. Um, what a diff- little bit of a different kind of season than we were used to seeing from Book because he didn't have to do everything. He didn't have to run the offense every single trip down the floor, or even many of them at all. So, what are you thinking about as we exit the last season for Booker uh, coming off of that Finals run? Yeah, so I liked a lot of what Book added to his game this season. Uh, We really saw that defensive effort come out, especially in the playoffs and during the Olympics, during that gold medal run. I don't think Team USA wins without it. Um, So him being that good on defense and trying that hard and willing to embrace the physicality really matters a lot to me. And I just think it was a really good thing to see him be able to function so well off the ball on offense and come off different motions and it was just really beautiful to see him develop that side of his game, too, because we've seen him dominate in the on-ball way, but we haven't really seen that off-ball side of him since really at Kentucky when he was a freshman. Yeah, no, I think that's the two things that I had in mind. I mean, 
Let's start with the defense, though, because I'm glad you mentioned the Olympics. I, I haven't, I wasn't doing like recap shows for any of that or uh, anything, obviously, yeah. but I'm, I haven't had a chance to really talk about it. And I think the fact that he was able to go into that group and really like almost just be a glue guy um, yeah. was impressive. Like, it's just, I mean, we were talking, I, I was saying like it, this past season was a role we weren't necessarily used to seeing Booker play in terms of just really having, getting to be a, mostly a scorer. And then he goes to the Tokyo and it's even a different role than that, where he's not taking a ton of shots. He's not the primary option. And he's really just out there to, you know, keep the ball moving, take threes, score when he, when he has the opportunity and, and really defend, like you said. So look like the, the defensive stats don't love Devin Booker. Um, Real plus minus is sort of the only one. And all of those are, are relatively untrustworthy because defensive data is, is really hard to, to turn into something meaningful, but I think it's obvious that he got better there. So do, I guess, looking forward past that what i wonder is should we be expecting him like he at the end of the finals he's defending chris middleton and like as cool as that Mm -hmm. was and as well as i think he did like probably don't want him to have to do that but also you want him to be able to do that so like it's a little bit of a weird balance how do you think about that and what do you want to see from booker next season on the defensive end yeah so you mentioned the the guarding Chris Middleton at the end, especially that matters a lot because Chris Middleton is a really physical offensive player and Booker was ready to take the contact. And he did the same thing in the Olympics. He was taking a lot of contact. And so I think that willingness to embrace it is going to count for a lot. However, he did. I think he was second in the NBA in total minutes last season behind CJ McCollum. And um, just playing like that, um, I think would matter a lot because, um, you know, guys like Mikhail, he's pretty slender. You know, he can give a solid amount of minutes on those guys like Middleton. But at the end of the day, his body's going to wear down a little bit. And it's good to have Booker there to bring that physicality as well. And, yeah, he just, as long as he's defending his butt off and he's getting the rest that he needs, that I think it's really good for the team. Yeah, the thing that I think, like, I think we're getting to the point knowing that I think this, especially this regular season, and and even this past regular season, Chris Paul, even if he is playing a ton of minutes, is not going to be a guy that is out there on the at the point of attack defensively, right? So, like, we already know that. We already we we can expect he's going to play a little bit less, and we know some of the limitations of a Mikael Bridges as things currently stand, who we are going to get to later in the show. Yeah, like you, you want Booker to be able to do those things. You need him to be able to defend his man, defend some of the elite wings in the NBA. That's just a fact of life for him. And it's just getting to the point for me where he's just going to have to find a way to do that, right? Like great players do it on both ends. And I do get the idea of the conservation of energy. You don't want him to have to be a you know, 30 plus percent usage guy while also exerting a lot on defense. But it's also like, well, I, I guess you don't want that. But also, I think it's fair to expect it when things get tight. So that's sort of what I'm hoping for is just getting that energy, being able to handle those matchups consistently and 
just getting those reps and being better at it because this is really going to be his second, maybe his third season with a legitimate team around him. So like he is just sort of getting the, he is still in the early stages of like, what does it feel like to play with talent on that defense and actually have guys that I can trust? So that's the defensive yeah. end. Let's hit the offense. Um, shot 31% on 2.8 pull-up threes in the regular season. 31% exactly in the playoffs, despite what our eyes told us. The, the efficiency was basically the same, Damon. So he did increase the volume, though, and I think that's where I want to start, is he at least seemed to feel more comfortable and at the highest highs when he was able to get into rhythm and get hot. Think about that game six against the Lakers, some of the Clippers games. There were moments where that pull-up jumper from three was really working for him. I want that. I want the playoff volume. I think that we just saw to potentially just become the normal for him as a starting point to just diversify his offense, make him harder to predict, make him harder to guard. How do you, How do you feel about the three point shooting? Yeah, I'm absolutely with that. I think that the volume really matters a lot, and I mentioned that in the article. Uh, sometimes volume can be even more important than the actual efficiency itself, and. Um, some people on Twitter were talking about this earlier today about how it relates to Giannis and Ben Simmons. It's just, just that passing becomes so much easier the more scoring gravity you have. And so if Booker can get a true three, three and a half even level scoring threat, then he just becomes so much more of a playmaker for the other guys too. Yeah, I, I, that, that, and that's exactly where I wanted to go next. His assist percentage two years ago, 32%. And I, like. Okay, I'm not, you know, gonna be put my blinders on and not understand why that's different. We know who was on his team two years ago versus who was on his team this year. Yeah. But just the numbers, <laughs> right? Like 32% two years ago, 20% assist rate this year. Like it really, really has plummeted. And I do think there's a balance in between that. You know, like I think that he probably this season, now that he's felt out what it's like to play with Chris Paul and I think he's improved as a passer over the course of his career. I do still think, you know, some some of those cross-court skip passes that, that a guy like Chris Paul just has in his back pocket that Book doesn't quite have, and, you know, that's going to come in time. The drive and kick stuff that you were just talking about, like, I think that that will get there. Um, but I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with the driving. He averaged basically a full drive per game fewer this past season than he did the past season. And his restricted area shooting was down from 68% to 63%. So really what we saw was way more efficiency and volume from mid-range and far less playmaking responsibility. So he was able to really just focus on the scoring, the defense when it happened. But I think we can probably see him start to drift past, drift back to a mixture of what he was next to Chris Paul and what he was when he was playing with, you know, draft picks and, and lottery guys all around him. I think there is a happy medium there and we could see it this season. What do you think? Yeah, so I was thinking about that a lot earlier with the, the first Booker question too. It's just that like the other guys that we're going to talk about, uh, like DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges and other guys too as well, is that once those guys pick up more of the secondary and tertiary playmaking, I think that that's going to matter a lot for Booker's creation volume. I don't want to see his efficiency drop at all because of it, but I would like to see some of the the driving and some of the, the things that really get him into contact. I would like to see the volume of those opportunities go down a little bit as the other guys pick up their end. But I question whether he can like handle more of the off ball while the other guys take on a little bit more playmaking. Like we saw 
Mikhail and Cam Johnson especially were asked to do more of it toward the end of the season and into the playoffs. And I really like that just because of the diversity that it can bring to the offense, especially in the playoffs when things kind of stagnate like they did for the Suns in the in the finals against the Bucks. Yeah, no, I it, it is a hard question because it's kind of like what we're talking about the defense, where it's a question of what he can do versus what you want him to have to do, right? And so yeah. it's hard. And I, I do I'm excited to talk about Mikhail to close the show because I think he is such a hinge piece for some of that stuff as far as what is he capable of and then what is what can the team trust him to do? Because he's the other perimeter guy that can really start to take some of the load off there. And so uh, we'll, we'll get there in just a second. We obviously want to talk about DeAndre Ayton, so we'll get to him next. Uh, first, though, a quick word from Sweatblock, a new sponsor of the show, and lovely folks over there sent me a pack for myself because we've all dealt with the uncomfortable, anxious situation. And look, the Valley Sun does not do us any favors either. Um, it can be hot, it can be sweaty, it can be uncomfortable, and then you go do something, whether it's a presentation, meeting somebody new, going on a date, whatever it might be, and you start to sweat, you start to feel uncomfortable, maybe you have a little bit of odor there as well. It's all icky, it's all just the worst. So, Sweat Block solves all of that. It's not your normal deodorant. It is a little secret to confidence right in your back pocket. It's actually like a wipe, think like a, net, a wet nap. You wipe it wherever you have the sweat coming out, it stops it in its tracks. No odor, no moisture, no discomfort. Solves it in a, in a flash. They've tested it on firefighters. It has over 13,000 reviews on Amazon. It's really, again, it's a little secret that it feels like other people have been keeping a secret from us. But now you know. It is allows you to wear what you want to wear. And it is small enough. It's just in a little back. You can bring it anywhere. It can be literally in your back pocket. I was not exaggerating when I said that. So check out Sweatblock. If somebody that you know, or you yourself are dealing with some of these situations, you have to check out Sweatblock. Have to try it for yourself. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON, or check it out at Amazon and CVS. Today's show also brought to you by Indeed. When in hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. With Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place. Even that interview step all from the Indeed dashboard. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skills tests to help make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills that you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. That's Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June, September, through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Damon, we are back here. Let's talk about DeAndre Ayton who I think the obvious place to start here, um, to me, if we're going to start with the positive, because I do like to try to do that, is that he's turned into a remarkable defender. Um, 11th in defensive real plus minus, 14th in defensive win shares. Again, defensive stats are hard, but he clearly has improved there. And I'm curious what you think of, of him at this point, because we did see so much of the growth come during the playoffs that it is pretty interesting to me just to wonder, are we going to see that every night? Is that just something we should bake into the equation? He was good 
during the regular season on defense. So-so on offense, but he became, I think, in my opinion, elite on defense during the playoffs. Is that what you're expecting as just what we should expect from DeAndre Ayton from now on? Yeah, so uh, during most of the regular season, we kind of saw that the the biggest issue with Ayton as a whole was just his consistency. Like he would have an off night every other night or two. And it almost never happened in the playoffs. I think I can only think of two or three games where he just absolutely was bad on defense. And I think that that is important for him to bring every night. I think he knows now what it takes to bring it every night. And having that experience of what that's like can definitely transfer over to the regular season, especially when things aren't as intense. And defending is probably a little bit easier then. And he won't have to play as many minutes as he did in the playoffs with JaVale McGee in there now. And I think that should help as well, just channeling the energy. I I mean, even last year, there were a lot of nights where, yes, Frank Kaminsky may have been out there. Yes, you know, Dario Charge was an option, but I think he understandably felt a lot of pressure to succeed and he did I mean he he definitely played up to what he needed to do they were second in the west and everything felt really good but I think he should have at least an easier time this season and he has seen a lot of this before I do think some of his limitations on defense though um if we want to start to pick nits are the bigs who can sort of face up right like it's they're different players but you could say that about Giannis could say that about Anthony Davis. There's lots of players like that in the NBA who you could imagine DA might have to guard. And those are the two best probably in the entire league. So it's not quite to say that that's just going to be a nightly concern with him. But I think we just saw, especially in the finals, the strength could go a long way for him and continuing to learn how to guard without fouling. And I think the rep- the repetitions, like you're saying, should help. But what else do you think we will want to see from DeAndre Ayton on defense? And then we can obviously move into the offense because I think that's the bigger area of, uh, of need for him. Yeah, I about those face-ups that you were talking about with the bigs, I think a lot of the time, especially I remember some times against um, Embiid and the Sixers, is he would have good positioning and guys would just hit shots over him. So maybe if he starts to gamble a little bit more, with like the hands when they're first making the moves before they can get to their spots and just disrupt their flow. I think that can matter a lot. And also I think that um, just a more concerted effort to block shots because up until the playoffs and a little bit, even in the first couple of series, he wasn't really doing that that much. And then it picked up really like a lot in the Clippers series And it was just really beautiful to see. You could tell that it was deterring their offenses from driving as much when Aiton was on the the floor. And then that ended up making it even more detrimental when he would be off the floor. But I think you're going to get a little bit of that same deterrence with JaVale McGee because he's a really good shot blocker. So I think that if Aiton is around McGee some more, that he can really pick up some of that shot blocking. That's a great point. I mean, McGee is almost the polar opposite in that way where – Guys are a little more willing to test him because I don't think they trust his discipline and length and, and everything quite the same way. But he'll swat some shots if if he has that opportunity. So, yeah, that is going to be a fascinating sort of test case for if DA improves in that way, if, if that does help him. But let's get to the offense because this was the most efficient season of Aiton's career, which I'm sure we all know, but also the lowest volume. So he cut out, especially come playoff time, those post-ups, 
mid-range jumpers, turnaround jumpers, the stuff that made you pull your hair out. It did come back a little bit in the finals, which was disappointing to see, but I don't think that can be the status quo. I mean, personally, I just think if the Suns are going to get where they need to get, you're going to need it to come from somewhere. And Aiton is such a gifted player that I think he's the obvious person to think could improve as a shot creator. And I think he has improved a lot. I was talking about this with Brandon yesterday. It's like he can dribble now far more than he could. He has some comfort moving around on in the post, inside, under the basket. He has that up and under. He has some spin moves. I, I really feel confident that if he has an offseason and Mark Bryant is one of the only coaches left that hasn't been poached away during the past couple of offseasons, another offseason of legitimate work, real training camp, real preseason games, I really feel confident that can happen. But what, what should we expect this season? Like, do we think he can really up the ante as a score right away here? Or do you think it's still going to be a few years? Yeah, I think being offensively independent and being able to function that way is such a key thing for him. And I remember there was one play against the Lakers in the first round, and I have it linked in the Yeah, that was the a article. great clip. I, did, I had forgotten about that play completely. Yeah. Where, so when I saw it, I, I yelped. I was off of my seat and just thrilled because I had never seen him do anything like that in a Suns uniform where he's just at the top of the key and he drives almost through a guy and gets a, a solid layup. It was a, an under-the-basket reverse off the backboard, and we know that he has that kind of touch around the basket. He's been really efficient around the basket, but just for him to, like, dribble even. I know Sam Cooper, our buddy at the the Timeline podcast, talks a lot about just dribbling in general for Aiton, and that matters so much. And there was that one clip that surfaced of him working out with Buddy Heald, also in the article, that he's already working on that, those like between the leg dribbles into nice little turnaround jumpers. So I'm really encouraged by the work that he's going to put in. Yeah, I think the thing that gets lost a little bit and not to go on too far of a tangent, but when we talk about bigs that can sort of succeed in the NBA, because there's been this whole narrative during this playoffs and then after the season of like, oh, the bigs are back, right? Like we thought small ball was here to stay, but look at all these guys, the, you know, the MVP is the center. But I think what gets lost is like, it's not just any, it's not every center who is now succeeding again. It's centers who can play like guards, basically, right? Like even Joel Embiid, you've seen on offense, the the, the real thing that took him over the hump was being able to, diver- to diversify his game where he had the threes, like he could at least sort of, you know, make you pay by, you know, shooting every so often. He could make them enough and he could post up. And he can make a mid-range jumper, but it's like the dribbling and the ability to cl- attack a closeout, the ability to face up, that was really what, what put him over the edge. And so I think that's, that's it just, it's the glue that sort of holds everything together, right? It's like, it starts to piece the skills that you have into one thing that can really become like an offensive diet. So I would be over the moon. I do think we'll see a little bit of growth there. I think we'll see his field goal attempts start to tick up a little bit. I think we'll probably see... His scoring go back up a little bit, but I don't think it's going to quite be there this season. And I think they have the fortune of like, I don't personally feel like Chris Paul's going anywhere. Like, I think he has a couple more seasons at a pretty great level. So like, they don't need Aiton to be that right away, but we definitely need to see steps and he definitely needs to be at least somewhat reliable in that way. But let's get to the last guy on our list here, uh, Mikhail Bridges, who 
again, to me, just by nature of having a little bit more of that skill, and we've saw, we saw it at Villanova, we've seen it at times in his NBA career, is even more fascinating as more of an immediate solution to that problem, in my opinion. Uh, but let's get to him in just a second. First, though, quick word from Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is impossible to walk into a car dealership or even a, real t- a retail store and expect to get what you need at the price that you want. You're not going to be ordering in bulk, most likely, if you're not a mechanic or doing this for a living. You just want to fix your own car, and that they punish you for it. They charge you more. They don't have what you need. They try to give you the wrong part. It's a pain in the butt, and Rock Auto solves that problem. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers online like me, like you, for over 20 years. They don't even require an account, let alone a subscription, to make a purchase. You just type in the car that you have, scroll down to the part that you need, click purchase, and it's at your door in days. That is how easy they make it. So why spend 30, 50, even 100% more on the same exact part when you could go to Rock Auto and save a ton of money? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and when you make your purchase right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, and my favorite protein bar, and a new member of the Valley community. That's right, they are opening a brand new sparkly distribution center. So if you've been ordering Built Bars in the past, maybe you were on edge, you didn't know for sure if you wanted to try it, now is the time. It's going to be getting to you quicker. It's going to be getting to you, uh, hopefully, less melty. Because look, I mean, the reality is, getting it from over, you know, a few states over, sometimes those things are going to be a little melted. We all know that that can cause a problem. Phoenix Distribution Center, Built Bar, they're going to be here. They're going to be in the community. They're going to be at events. You're going you're gonna to get to try Built Bars you never knew existed here in the next few weeks. But get your pack now. Re-up on your favorite or try something new by going to Built.com using the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Not the first order, next order. If you've, built, if you've ordered Built Bar before, you can go back in the well, get another pack and not sweat it at all. The promo code works for everybody. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, let's close things out, Damon. Mikhail Bridges, I'll give you the floor once again here. I feel like I've been yammering. I hate when I have to do the ads and the guest is is sitting there. Um, but l- let me ask you a pretty open-ended question, a pretty easy question. Um, should we expect that Mikhail Bridges is going to get stronger? Like, do you have a, a guy in mind when you think about Bridges where you're like, absolutely, like he will get bigger? Or are you starting to just feel like this should this this should just be how we think of him and this might just be who he is physically? Yeah, I kind of think that he's not really going to put on a ton of strength, at least soon. Maybe as he gets older, he will. But I think they're really content with him just being agile in his length. Uh, Coaches talk a lot about that kind of thing. You hear it a lot in football, too, is you don't want a guy to put on so much weight that they lose their quickness and agility. And I think that um, such an important thing about Mikhail Bridges' game is that he does have that quickness and agility. You saw in the in the Lakers series, especially when he was on LeBron, he would just always be right wherever LeBron was trying to go. Mm-hmm. And he would always be in the way. And even if he couldn't stifle him too much when LeBron would try to drive through him, uh, Mikhail was always there, at least. He was always in position to make the play. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, and I agree with you. I think I always default to being oh well if he gained if he adds strength if he you know I, I do kind of agree that it, it's probably unlikely and I think that probably puts a little bit of a cap at least in the short term 
on, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I think it obviously limits who he can defend defensively because yes, I agree with you about LeBron, but like at the end of the day, if LeBron had been healthy, if a player like LeBron had been healthy and he, they didn't, they weren't able to, to sell out the way that they were because AD was like, if the Lakers were fully healthy, we would have seen Mikael Bridges struggle in that matchup, right? Like there were some things Absolutely. they were able to do because of the, the the limitations the Lakers had where that looked better than it should have, right? So yeah, that's probably the one thing. I was going to say the finishing and that can bring us to his offense a little bit because I guess I want to hear your perspective on it too because I would, like you would theoretically think like a guy, if he's not the most like just explosive, strong, power through you type of dude, there's going to be a cap on what he can do as a finisher. But Mikhail's so damn long that I almost wonder, like, I think he probably can get considerably better as a finisher and as a driving scorer if he wants to, just because he's going to have such an advantage just getting shots up over guys. Yeah, for sure. And you see that in the, the numbers too. Like, you look at the synergy profile and he's scoring 1.4 points per possession on transition and 1.5 on cuts. Mm -hmm. And those are both really high uh, high percentiles in the league, Mm -hmm. both like 85, 90 percentile. And so he's one of the better players at the rim, I think, Mm -hmm. but it it would add so much more to that, especially in the half court. If he was able to put on some more weight, just being able to go through contact more, I think. What else do you want to see from him on offense? Because, I mean, he basically has has solidified himself as a pretty elite shooter. I mean, he shot, I think, 42-43% this year. The corner is automatic for him. He has, I think he has pretty deep range, even though the corner is sort of where he is just in the geography of the offense. I think he I think he has the consistency of motion. Yes, he's, his, his release has gotten quicker over the years, and that range and his just pretty smooth guy in general on offense that I think he could become a better movement shooter over time. I think he could be a guy they start to run some of that stuff for, which they do here and there, but even more consistently his, his usage went up. What do you think that will look like? Like what kind of player should we expect him to be on offense this upcoming season? Will it be similar to what we saw last year or can he do more? Yeah, I think he can do a lot of the re- release valve things that he did a lot of the time last season when Booker and Paul were getting sold out on by the defense. But I also would kind of like want to see him like do more manning in the second unit and just run the offense a little bit more from that. And we've seen campaign be able to play off the ball. So I don't think that that would be an issue. And you look at some of the more offensive initiation type of sets for Mikhail like pick and roll ball handling, isolation, those those kinds of things. He's really efficient in those, but it's on such a small sample. Like the ball handler, he's 82nd percentile, but it's only on a sample size of 27 possessions. And so I would like to see if maybe upping that volume, he can still maintain that efficiency. Because I think that, especially if you're doing it against bench units, I think he has the length to kind of dominate. And we've seen him start to be a better playmaker especially when he's flashing to the nail and those kinds of things. But I see a lot of potential with that and kind of taking the load off in the second unit. Yeah. He's, I think he's the thing that he'll always have is he's a brilliant player. Like, I I don't think that there's ever going to be a time where they're in the film room with Mikhail Bridges and he's like not understanding what it is that they're asking of him. Right. So it's like, is he confident enough to do it? Does he get the reps to, to make it happen? 
and does it work, right? Like, is it something that the coaches will trust him to do? And I think we saw that a little bit in the in the final in the playoffs throughout at times where they would try to have him run a little bit more offense and it just felt kind of like too little too late it's like this this wasn't a focus enough during the play, during the regular season that it's going to be something you can fall back on in this type of a moment and it worked but i got why they wouldn't go they're not you're not going to run like four straight mikhail bridges pick and rolls with your season on the line right if you don't trust yeah. it so i think that's my hope for the regular season this year is that they're going to have so much depth. They're going to have so many options. They know they can win. They're going to be able to blow teams out. Like just mess around with that stuff a little bit. And we know he can do it. It's not like you're risking a lot and it's going to be an investment that really pays off. I think that's just something we should be expecting in the regular season entirely for the Suns this year is more of a concerted effort to build up some of these tertiary parts of their team so that they can be something that eventually you can trust in the playoffs or beyond, right? Um, okay, but let me ask you this to close out the show. If We've talked about the three sort of main, main guys, aside from Chris Paul, who's not young. I don't think we're going to see any new wrinkles from Chris Paul this year. What other young core piece of this team jumps out at you the most as far as somebody we could really see improve next season, who you're most excited to see add stuff to their game in 2022? I think you got to look at Cam Johnson, especially after the kind of finals that he had and the dunk over Tucker. He's really coming into his own as a ball handler, I think. And he, like we heard Monty talk a lot about um, wanting Cam to be more aggressive with the ball, especially and attack the rim. Don't just be a spot up three point shooter. And I think that if he, if he does that and then it opens up the mid range game that he's already shown, he can do some pull up mid range game like the rest of the, the guards on the team seem to be able to do. It's like a staple of the team. Um, I think that if Cam can do that off the bench, the more secondary tertiary playmaking there is, the easier it becomes on Paul and Booker to do what they do in the end of games especially. This is a weird... I was trying to... Th- is there somebody that you feel like, if you're thinking of like the peak Cam Johnson, is there like an NBA comp from any point recently that that you feel like he could, I was thinking Rudy Gay, like new, like current Rudy Gay, less of yeah. like the post up, like elbow turnaround, like Memphis Rudy Gay, but like what he's turned into of a guy who's going to take a ton of threes, but can really like take it inside and has the physicality to, to get through you. I don't know if that's a great, who, who do you think he could become? I think there's a little bit of Paul George there, okay. especially with the, the solid length, and the solid positioning on defense that he always seems to have. I think once he gets more disciplined on defense, that he can look a little more like Paul George's defense. And just being able to score at all three levels, if he ever gets to that point, I think would be really important and look a bit like PG. But still be able to know your role within everything. Well, it's funny you say the role thing because when you were saying that that they were obviously trying to kind of get more out of him during the finals, it made me think about when Monty went out of his way to say, Cam is a starter. Like, he doesn't start yeah. for us, but, like, he is a starting caliber player in the NBA, and he should be playing, like, he should be playing like he's our sixth starter. Like, we are so lucky to have six, and he should be with that type of mentality and confidence every night. I think the Suns, frankly, have seven starters, to be completely honest. You could even say eight with JaVale McGee, like eight guys who would start on other teams. 
and they all should play that way. Like they all like that's a that's a, a embarrassment of riches in some ways. So I think Cam especially could benefit from coming out there and really and really embracing that every night. Okay, I know you're a movie guy, so I wanted to end the show with this. What is a recommendation? What is an under the radar 2021 movie pick that Suns fans should uh, check out if they have not already? Under the radar. This is well, it doesn't have to be like be a, able to... something nobody's ever heard of, <laughs> but something, you know, we might not have seen before. Yeah, there is one that I really like that I I just recently saw. It's not going to be super easy to find. I know it's only playing in certain lighting theaters. Um, but it's called Nine Days. Um, it's the Brazilian director's direct debut. It stars like, like a ton of stars and, and kind of about like the choosing for who gets to like be living on Earth and like the pregame almost, the pre-life of Earth. And it just has the best payoff. It has so many really great concepts and ideas that it kind of challenges and asks about. And it, the payoff at the end is amazing. I think I was sobbing by the end. <laughs> well, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's a recommendation that I want, judging from the news right now. But or uh, Free Guy. Is that was that good? <laughs> free Guy's good too. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was kind <laughs> of, of fun panning it i felt i just like i think i wrote it off because it's like a disney you know like felt like it was a little bit of a kids movie but it's actually worth seeing oh it's amazing the it was the best theater experience i had had since endgame all right okay well there's two we'll have to bring you back on this was a ton of fun man um again you can read him at zona hoops you can read him at roll call sports network writing about the suns does great stuff um bringing new people on this this month and next month as we get to uh, training camp so Suns fans will be back with you on Wednesday don't go anywhere we are staying with you five days a week for as long as I have ideas so uh, be on the lookout subscribe to YouTube down below if you have not already and uh, we're, we're powering through guys giving away a Kelly Oubre bobblehead as I'm sure many of you know when we get to a thousand subscribers so uh, it's the off season but we're not slowing down enjoy your Wednesday I'll be back tomorrow